everyone, welcome back to part two of our synchronicity episode with Jen. Uh, I know it was a little longer wait than I originally anticipated, but with Erica and I working in the travel industry, surprise, surprise, uh, the coronavirus has <laughs> put us back a little bit as far as the timeline for everything. So um, just bear with us during this busy time. We're you know, having less time for doing any extracurriculars, you know, outside of work. So, um, first of all, be kind to everyone in the travel industry <laughs> right now. We're trying so hard. Anyway, just wanted to thank you guys again for continuously coming back to our story and everything. Uh, we have a lot of great interviews to come. Uh, this second half of the interview with Jen is super exciting for us, so we're really excited for you guys to listen to it. And as usual, please just send us feedback. We would love to hear from our listeners and uh, can't wait to post some more episodes soon. We love you all. Uh, here's uh, part two with Jen. We, we can swing back around to, like, my birth mother who's still in my life. Yeah. So, she's in your life. Is your, um, is your adoptive family connected? Do they yeah. talk so, at all? Well, I mean, I've, I've now known my birth mother for longer than I didn't know her, right? I've known oh. her for, it's been 25 years, right? Yeah. Yeah, 25 That's years. That's an interesting way to think of it. Yeah. Um, so my adoptive dad, who was awesome... Um, he passed away when I was like 27, so mm. he's been gone for a long time. Um, but you know, he did get to meet Julie, and you know, and get. To, and, um, I did get to meet um, both of my both of Julie's parents. My paternal oh, wow. grandfather was also a writer. Oh. And um, and and uh, we're actually related to a famous writer as well. Um, and he. Can we ask sorry. one? Oh my god. Oh. <laughs> so it's uh, A. J. Cronin who wrote this book called The Citadel. Um, back in the 50s. Pretty oh. famous book. But anyway, um, my birth grandfather, my maternal grandfather had Parkinson's, so I don't think that he really ever knew who I was, mm. unfortunately. But my, I got to spend some time with my grandma, and I got to spend some time with my great aunt, who just recently passed away at like 91. Wow. And she, she was pretty awesome. So, um, yeah, so Julie is one of eight. Oh my gosh. Um, so three out of the eight are schizophrenic. So you guys ask in here about the mental illness piece or, or mental yeah, health, yeah. mental health yeah. piece. So I I mentioned that my teen years were pretty bad. Um, right. So one thing is that when I when I met all of these people, I was like, oh, <laughs> like I didn't have a chance. <laughs> like it wasn't my fault at all. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, so my maternal grandmother actually had postpartum psychosis. What? I haven't even heard of that. So postpartum psychosis is just what it sounds like. Yeah. Um, uh, Julia was the oldest girl, so she ended up having to take on a lot of the oh, running the household responsibilities, which maybe was what caused her to start kind of rebelling when mm -hmm. she did. But, you know, I didn't hold any resentment toward my grandmother for not letting Julie bring me home. Like, my aunt was still in elementary school. Mm -hmm. You know, like, mm -hmm. I can't. <laughs> like, yeah. I'm sure she was just, I can't do that. Yeah. Well, and like you said before, it's like looking back as a teen when you're 
right. angry at everyone. It's right. like you think you were taken away from the life that you should have had and that would have been better, but obviously Ooh. now it's like, well, yeah, that would have been just... I don't even know. There wouldn't have been very much good that would have come out of that. It would have been very traumatic. So Julie's oldest brother, um, he's passed away, but he was, um, he suffered with schizophrenia for a very long time. Um, it was pretty awful. Um, the second brother, Jim, went to prison for over 20 years wow. for rape. Um, when he got out, he was homeless, and he drowned in Lake Calhoun. <gasps> but he was also schizophrenic, and then one of my aunts, one of the twins, is schizophrenic as well. So, um, a great deal of mental illness and, uh, and Mm -hmm. just rife with alcoholism because, you know, 100% Catholic, uh, Irish Catholics. So, (laughs) yeah. Wow. (laughs) All four of my maternal grandparents, uh, maternal great grandparents immigrated from Ireland. Wow. So, yeah. So that, that really cleared up a lot for me. Um, and it really helped me, um, it really helped me become more comfortable with being honest about it. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Some, somehow knowing that there was, like, a genetic factor made me less ashamed, if that makes sense. No, that yeah, yeah. Totally makes a lot of sense, yeah. Because it was it's like, It's nice well, to have those answers. I mean... Yeah. I couldn't help it, obviously. Yeah, <laughs> obviously. No, and especially with something so serious. Like, people can have, you know, either anxiety or depression depending on, like, circumstances regardless, but something so serious, that is... Well, and I had... And I don't want to say serious, but I I mean... I had obsessive-compulsive disorder for a long time, pretty bad. Well, things like that, there is definitely a genetic, you know, less circumstantial... But I feel feel lucky because I'm not schizophrenic. Yeah, Mm -hmm. that's And I mean, I've really... I dodged a bullet on that one, obviously, and so have my children so far. Wow. So, um... So then with, with the whole family component then, like circling back just to your adoptive family, you talked a little bit about your parents, um, and it's funny because my parents were like married late compared to the usual, whereas now I look back on it and I'm like, this is normal, this is what I'll do. But like, because my mom was 30 when they got married, my dad was 34, um, they had my sister within about, I don't know, a couple years, and then they adopted me about four years later. So my dad was 40 by the time they adopted me. My dad so, and was, they were, you my, know, Catholic. My so. dad was almost 40. Oh, my gosh. But, yeah, that's But in so 1973, funny. that oh, yeah, was weird. Yep. Yeah, <laughs> yeah <laughs> like no, I, seriously. I yeah. had a really old dad. <laughs> yeah, for, <laughs> you know? but yeah, same. Like, my, my parents at that point, that was, like, the, the mid to late 80s. And, I mean, that was very late. Now yeah. it's just, you know, super normal. But yeah. so with them, like, what was your – did you have – Oh, you probably mentioned this already. Um, your siblings, you said that you had adopted, you're yep. like, you had an adopted brother or two? So, my uh, brother John is um, about four years younger, yeah, four years younger than me, okay. and he was a month old when he was adopted, and he has met his birth mother um, and his half sibling. And he was um, adopted from? Catholic Charities. In what's in the States? Yeah, same, same, in Minneapolis. Minneapolis, yeah, okay. Yeah. Um, so he, he's, he's went through that journey as well. Um, and then my brother, my older brother, Gabe, um, my parents adopted him when he was 11 and we went down to El Paso, Texas. So he was born in Juarez, but they smuggled him into the United States. So his citizenship was very questionable and I'm not, yeah. I, I don't know specifically what my parents had to do to fix sure. that. Although, um, I know that he tried to join the military when he was 18 and he wasn't able to because oh. of... 
this documentation problem that was still going on. Yeah. Um, but uh, so he, his birth mother passed away, and his his dad, who was an American citizen, so he could have gotten the citizenship if he had bothered, um, abandoned him. So he was in an mm-hmm. orphanage with him, with his older brother. And so he had to leave his older brother behind and has never seen or heard from him again. Whoa. Um, but the reason that my parents adopted an 11-year-old from Texas was because they couldn't afford to get another white baby. And that is the God's honest truth. Oh, my gosh. It was insanely mm. expensive to try to adopt white babies. Like, wow. insanely expensive. And so I don't think they could afford to do it a third time, but they wanted a third child. So... That's, so that's brother. like, crazy as far as just the world goes, but that's so <laughs> cool that they... I don't know, I feel like a lot of people would give up at that point, especially well, I mean, with, with was, what time it was. He was definitely in, like, a hard-to-place category, right? Oh, uh, yeah, it sounds like it. And, I mean, the most heartbreaking thing is that the first pictures that my brother has of himself are the ones that the orphanage took. He doesn't have a single solitary wow. picture or memory, nothing. Nothing of his life until that point. Whoa. Yeah. And your adoptive parents have been super supportive or were supportive always or? I mean, I think my dad was really supportive. I think that my mom, you know, um, I think that she felt a little bit threatened by it. Sure. Um, I found out later that, you know, she could have written Julie and given her some information and Mm -hmm. she didn't. Hmm. Um, But she did for my brother's mom. So Mm -hmm. I don't know. Interesting. I don't know if she got a little bit more comfortable, but, like, my brother's mom mm-hmm. and her exchanged letters, hmm. and she actually sent my brother, a, like, get a gift. She had knitted him, like, a blanket and a stuffed animal. But like, at the same time, were they both technically closed adoptions? Yes, they were both closed okay. adoptions, but maybe, I don't know, maybe she felt a little bit more comfortable at huh. that point with the second one. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure, but... Interesting. Still, that makes you feel a little type of... You know, yeah. In a certain type of way. Yeah. But, I mean, like... You know, I think that, like, it. one of the most challenging things is, you know, after you get past this first initial, you know, euphoria of meeting each other and finding each other, then is, like, the real work of how do we fit into each other's lives. Mm-hmm. And, like, when I had children, Julie kind of deliberately kept herself kind of separate, separated from them because mm-hmm. she felt like she was, like, usurping my mom's territory Right? But, I don't know. That's so I mean, hard to balance. Honestly, yeah. even for, like, when I was going to meet my birth mom, it was that hard balance, like, okay, I don't want to give you too much, like, attention, because you're here, too. It, you know, it's just... Which is so funny, because that's, like, a position that then a kid, whether it's a kid mm-hmm. that's 18-plus, it's still a kid compared to the situation that is in between the situation completely with those relationships. Mm-hmm. And it's, like... I mean, it sounds like based on all of that, I was wanting to ask, you know, we talked about the whole mental health and all of that as far as that goes, but, like, with the, we always say kind of the run of the mill, what people assume about adoption and stuff, and the issues that I always identify as being kind of common are resentment and abandonment. And it sounds like, correct me if I'm wrong, but it kind of sounds like the resentment more so came later? Did okay, um, but the abandonment is certainly in play. So mm-hmm. one thing that happened that I got to figure out was like, why was I three months old when I was adopted? Like, why did it take so long? And the reason it took so long mm-hmm. is that Julie kept changing her mind. 
Oh. So she would like leave school and she'd get on a city bus and she would go to see me at the oh foster home where the nuns were taking care of me and be like, nope, I'm going to take her. I'm going to figure it out. And then the nuns would like sit down and, you know, talk her out of it. Oh, wow. So that went on for a while. But so like I mentioned, my adoptive mom is a pediatrics nurse. So mm-hmm. she told me that when she got me, I had the worst diaper rash that she'd ever seen. Mm. And I was severely malnourished and underweight. And she would know. Yeah. yeah. Um, Julie dug out a picture. She had a single picture of me that the nuns had taken of me at the mm-hmm. foster home and given to her. And in the picture, I'm totally naked, no diaper. You can see the diaper rash. <sighs> and I'm just laying on like a bare mattress. No sheets, no blanket, nothing. Just naked me on a bare mattress. And I'm like, you didn't think that looked weird <sighs> when you looked at it? So what I think we can surmise a few things. Uh, One, I think that the nuns probably had too many babies on their hands. Mm -hmm. So I'm guessing nobody was picking me up and cuddling me. Mm -hmm. I wasn't getting a lot of skin-to-skin contact. Mm -hmm. They were probably just... It sounds like they definitely weren't changing my diaper often enough. Mm -hmm. Um, And they were probably just feeding me on a schedule and just kind of just doing the bare minimum to keep me alive. So that's where the attachment disorder stuff comes in. And when I look at a whole 46 years worth of choices, I think that that could have been informed by some attachment disorder problems, right? Yeah. So now, like, this is a good time to ask me that question because I started seeing a therapist about four months ago that does EMDR. Oh, Oh, yeah, we talked about that. And so it's pretty bananas. Did you do the first treatment of that? So she, there's actually a protocol that you do that's like pre-birth and it, it sounds really out there I know but um be, so so we had a session and oh I'll try not to be emotional because it's kind of a nut it's okay so we had a session and and I am you know my logical brain just does not want to cooperate with this you know mm-hmm. but she just so I'm holding the buzzers in my hand and, mm-hmm. and they buzz and and also she taps me on the ankles and mm. so Basically, darn it, I'm, I should have looked up what EMD, it's eye movement desensitization something. R- hold on. Yeah, so basically the theory is that as you're trying to get someone to recount trauma, your body wants to shut it down. Your body wants to make it stop. And so mm-hmm. by doing these things, you can distract your body enough so that you can try to safely and kind of calmly um, work your way back through the trauma. And it's eye movement desensitization. Well, desensitization and reprocessing. Thank reprocessing. You. Reprocessing. Is the word I'm yep, that was the one, one I couldn't remember. I know I can never remember that either. I'm like, eh. so you know, so she's like, just go with me on this, and and at this point, like, I really would like the second half of my life to be a little happier and a little easier. So I'm like, I'm just gonna go with it. I'm tr- I'm gonna really try. So she's like, visualize yourself, like in the womb. You're you're just this little egg, you know. And, like, just try to try to picture it. You're there, and Julie is discovering, you know, that she has a little egg. And when I, when I thought about that, it was the first time that I had ever consciously thought this or said it. That is so sad that the very first time that somebody realized that I was going to exist, their reaction was, oh, sh-. Mm-hmm. Like, total yeah. negativity and pro- probably horror, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I had this, like, 
overwhelming like sadness come over me where I was like, oh my God, I'm going to cry. And I'm like, I don't like to do that. So I'm trying to stop myself. And my therapist is like, yeah, actually you should cry. That's why we're here. (laughs) But I'm trying to stop myself. And I just, the sadness was just so overwhelming. Mm -hmm. And she was like, you know, now think about what, what would it, what would it be like if that little egg was you know, wanted and cherished. And, you know, there's two people that desperately wanted that little egg to come into the world. And I'm like, (laughs) and as I'm trying to like, you know, so she's tapping me on the ankles and she's trying to distract me, but the, the feelings are becoming too intense. And all of a sudden, like, I feel like I have like a pinched nerve in my neck. It feels like somebody like came and like claw grabbed my neck and wouldn't let go. And I'm like, ah, and then at the same time, I'm like getting this like sharp stabbing headache behind my right eye. Like, and I'm like, there's something to this. There is something to this. Like a physical reaction. Yes. Trauma is clearly been happening yep, during that. I'm having like an actual physical reaction that is undeniable oh my to trying to work through this. Mm. So I, I'm here to say to any adoptees that think that they might have an attachment disorder, especially if you were adopted, you know, three months and beyond, mm-hmm. um, EMDR, look into it. It's, you know, I'm, I'm just starting, but I, I have like some hope in my heart that wow. I think it might help. Wow. And I'm like so cynical, but I, I, will, I was not able to deny that there was something happening, wow. you know, when I was doing that with her. So that is so crazy. It's pretty deep. And I mean, well, yeah, like <laughs> things like that deep. are so hard to face, but at the same time, if you're not facing them, you're not moving on. Moving you're not, on. Yeah. You're not moving through it. Mm-hmm. And like, yes. And I don't want to say fixing because I don't like that term, but it's like you're not. But it's repowering. It's reprocessing exactly. is the right word because you can't fix it, mm-hmm. but you can like work through it. Yes. Like we're we're focused on like can we see some improvement. Exactly. So, and and she truly believes that, you know, even the the worst of all trauma can be improved. You'll never be able to change Mm -hmm. what happened to you. But you can improve how you are reacting to it. And then how you are, you know, what, how your decisions and and how you're making choices are Mm -hmm. affected by that trauma. You can make changes to that. Wow. Oh my God. That's amazing. Yeah. I remember you telling me at the, like last week when we were working together that you were going to go to this and I totally forgot, but like. And I've never known anyone who's like gone through with it. Yeah. And like heard, you know, kind of just the story a little, and it's not far for you. So it's like, imagine what's next, like what's coming with it. We literally only just started as baby egg. (laughs) Like like we still need to get through. birth <laughs> and it's all so the weird, trauma though, because from like beyond, I but. feel like with something like that because I've done that before in therapy it's like only a couple times but a therapy like that is so to me technical and scientific that does not I don't immediately think it's connecting with my emotions so it's just like it's so interesting because like I don't know if you know much about this Erica about this type of therapy. Briefly, you've... I think you've I mentioned it, very yeah, briefly. Yeah. Basically, with the vibrating on the hands, like, the little things that are in there and, like, her tapping on your ankles, it's connecting, like, your reason, like, on your mm-hmm. sides of the brain, essentially. And I'm probably explaining this terribly to our listeners right now. <laughs> but it's basically connecting your t- different sides of the brain that, like, think differently and can reason with trauma, you know? Mm-hmm. It's, like, and it's digging into those things that I've never visualized. Like, I never 
imagined being in that baby bump ever. I always, my favorite movie when I was a kid, and the movie that I always connected with was Dumbo because mm-hmm. the stork would yeah. come in sure. and bring the elephant, mm-hmm. like, and all the animals, their babies. And to me, you know, that's what it was. Just because it was like, that seems like in my head, it's like, that's more logical. Yeah. You know, because I never have thought about, like, the, you know, being, I don't even know, part of another human. Right. That's not anything that I... I mean, I had because, like, Julie has told me the story of of going into labor. She's told me who was there. She told me what it felt like. And she Mm -hmm. told me that they came and took me away immediately. Oh, my gosh. So, I I had thought of it, but it was... (laughs) Well, this is a very different... It just... It sounds so so silly, but I just... I had never, ever thought, man, that's really sad. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I never... (laughs) I I never thought about it to the pre-birth biological standpoint. Or just that, that the very first time that I someone knew I was going to exist, their reaction was so negative. Yeah. But Which it have, undoubtedly was for a 16-year-old girl in high school. Sure, yeah. You know? Oh, wow. So, and, and then, you know, like, like I, you know, I had my daughter and I, I got pregnant on purpose and I desperately mm. wanted her and I had a horrific pregnancy and delivery, but oh, it, no. I didn't care because, you know, mm-hmm. she was so wanted and it was such a different yeah. thing. Oh, I should, I should add that detail. So and how many kids do you have? So I have a son who's 22, Connor, um, he lives in Michigan and then oh, my okay. daughter is Taryn and her name is for my birth name, which was Tara Ann. Okay. So it's Taryn. And Taryn was born on my birthday. So Taryn was born on my 31st birthday. And so 31 years to the day that Julie Mm. gave me up in the hospital, she was in the hospital Mm. with me and my mom as I was delivering my daughter named Taryn. Wow. Oh, my God. (laughs) So full circle, right? Literally full circle. Literally full circle. Wow. Oh, my God. Yeah. Have you ever thought about adopting, like when you were younger, or when it was just starting off? Um, maybe when I was younger. Mm-hmm. So my my brother John, um, he uh, he they got pregnant with my niece Mallory when he was eighteen, and so my sister in law was like oh, eight months along before or so when I found out I was pregnant. I think, yeah, I think Mel and Connor are, like, seven to eight months apart. And I went to the hospital, and, I mean, I got there, like, literally just as she had just come out. Mm -hmm. And so they, like, carried her over to the window to clean her up, and I saw her. And I was hit with, like, this intense, like, (laughs) wave of love. Like, I'd never felt anything like that before. And I just found out I was pregnant, and I didn't Mm -hmm. know what to do. And my best friend was pregnant, too. She was four months ahead of me. Oh, my gosh. And she was going through with it, but I still didn't know what I wanted to do. Mm -hmm. And when I saw my niece, I was like, I'm doing it. Mm -hmm. And I was 23. Oh, my gosh. I mean, you know, that was obviously not a planned pregnancy. Mm -hmm. But um, I, I just, I knew that I wanted that. Wow. So... I mean, I don't know, because I got pregnant at the drop of a hat, I never had to think about <laughs> what I would do if I couldn't, so mm-hmm. I, I never really con- seriously considered adoption. Uh-huh. Sure. Um, two is all I can manage, I know that for sure. <laughs> <So, laughs> 
and and I can see the end of the tunnel. I mean, she's she's almost a junior in high school. Like we're getting there. Brings you back. There's no way. There's no way. She can't be good. Yeah. <laughs> she's anything like us. Um, but you know, my my children, um, they're not particularly interested in the adoption part. Like they they both obviously know about it, but. Mm-hmm. It doesn't really hold any interest to them. Perhaps my daughter, if she has children later, might get a renewed, renewed interest. That's usually what does it is when mm-hmm. you right. have children. Sure. I mean, speaking of synch- synchronicity, um, my friend, Chris, that lives in North Dakota, who is my age, mm-hmm. um, you know, he has three kids, and he has been wanting to find out about his birth family just for health reasons. Mm-hmm. And as I was working on my outline for this podcast... He texted me and said, I think I found my birth mom. Oh, wow. <laughs> so I was like, what? <laughs> oh, my gosh. I know. It's like all these things in the universe just coming together. It's so crazy. It's aligning, yeah. Every, aligning the synchronicity. Yeah. <laughs> I love that word, synchronicity. Do you have any regrets searching for your birth family? Well, we started to talk about that. It's complicated mm-hmm. um my Obviously. sister my sister jenny and i were estranged for many years i didn't speak to her for like four or five years mm-hmm. um she's kind of like the ugly funhouse mirror version of myself and that oh i think that we reflect each other's bad traits <laughs> a lot oh interesting <laughs> I love that, you just that was such that. a good description <laughs> like where is she going with this and wow. i mean like I think that she has the ability to hurt me more than just about anybody else I've ever met in my life. Um, she can be pretty vicious. Um, my younger siblings and I, we're, we have a pretty decent relationship. Um, I don't know why my, my sister and I are so, you know, I just, we just don't, mm-hmm. we don't mesh very well. Mm-hmm. Is um, that the one you lived with? Yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> So she she has a an eighteen year old daughter a sixteen year old daughter and a one year old son, mm-hmm. so um, yeah so I mean like I've tried kind of tried to get my daughter and her cousins to like get some mm-hmm. closeness going and stuff but it's been pretty tricky. Mm-hmm. Um, my kids are definitely like way more connected to my adoptive or my family. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, you know Connor has a pretty take it or leave it attitude with mm-hmm. the whole birth family thing and, mm-hmm. and Taryn is like eh. she's she's a little bit open hanging out with her cousins but I don't know for them they just don't they don't have the same kind of interest and they don't seem to be very connected to it mm-hmm. at, at this point mm-hmm. and that's fair I think it's more I mean speaking from what I can kind of put together like more for you to kind of have that connection of both families yeah yeah and I mean, it's, it's ongoing, you know? Yeah. It's ongoing. Um, I have even thought that my birth mother and I could benefit from some therapy together. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I um, enjoy that would be a, she's, that she's would be very interesting. Yeah. And I think that's okay to like reaffirm that her choice, her cho- and, and, and I mean, I, cause it probably turned out better for both of you. I mean, I have a very complicated relationship with my mom, um, you know, we, we have never really connected my adoptive mom, but my dad was the best and I was super close and super tight with my dad. And so I always tell Julie, like, if you didn't give me up, then I wouldn't have had my dad. Yeah. So, and I, that's the best thing ever that mm-hmm. I got to have my dad for as long as I did. I wish that I wouldn't have lost him in my twenties, but mm-hmm. 
nonetheless, I had the best dad ever, and he was kind of the buffer, and he was the thing that kind of, you know, he he was my person that I was connected to, not my mom. Yeah. Like, he was that person for me. I think we're all... Set. I was just yeah. going to say, we're all kind of daddy's girls. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, we've, yeah. we've talked about that. that. Yeah, it's just yeah. a different type of connection. Yeah. Like That's so funny. The only thing that my dad ever wanted was to be a dad. Like, my yeah. my older cousins would tell me that, like, every time there was, like, family parties, you could always find him in a corner with, like, a baby or kids. Oh. Or he just really wanted to be a dad. And, and so, like, when they got me, it was, like, like his life was complete. Mm-hmm. That he got the thing that he wanted more than anything else. So yeah, I was definitely pretty spoiled. Oh my god! <laughs> I was gonna say, um, guilty. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yep. Um, I mean, I guess I just have a couple other things I want to touch on. Okay. Um, you've got obviously given us a really great story tonight. I, oh my I god! Think, I think you're gonna have to do some editing. So I don't want to. I want them to hear all. everything. This is so so interesting. Literally, like, I don't think you have to have it. Any no, edits. This really is amazing. Do. This is perfect, okay. honestly. All right. Yeah, no, don't even worry like, about that. I am... This is... We can't miss yeah. any of it either. We have to keep it all. Yeah. Well, yeah, I feel like if you cut something out, people are going to get confused, because they might be confused anyway. We can make a <laughs> flow a chart. We'll make a yeah. flow chart. <laughs> <laughs> I'll try to do it as you I can, follow along when yeah. I edit, and then I'll see if it's confusing. You can, attach, to make one. You can attach my outline. Read along. Um, my last couple of questions, I suppose, um, just with everything that you've been through, what advice would you give to other adoptees based on your experience, both in people in your age demographic, uh, people like Erica and I that are, you know, just in our mid to late twenties, as well as like kids. Is there any advice that you would give? Well, the first piece of advice is probably almost impossible for anyone to take, but it would be to slow things down a little bit. Huh. <laughs> After you meet, oh, if you can. Yeah. But um, I would say that you should look at this as the beginning of a relationship that will take work, mm. like a marriage. Mm. Like it is not, probably not going to be very easy to find a way to incorporate this person into, or these people into your life. And, you know, you have to be open to like that they might want a different relationship than mm-hmm. what you want mm-hmm. and you have to kind of you know brace you have, yourself you, yeah 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 you have to brace yourself um I had a friend who uh, found her birth mother and her birth mother said um I don't ever I don't ever want to meet you don't ever contact mm-hmm. me again wow. and then um my friend died of brain tumor when she was like 23 and so if that woman ever changed her mind it was oh. too late wow. <laughs> wow isn't that crazy but I remember, <sighs> I remember we were drinking at a party when she told me the story of finding Aww. her birth mother. And at that point, I, you know, was mm-hmm. still not even close to finding mine. And I remember thinking, that was kind of the first time that I had consciously realized, that this that might happen. not go the way I want it to. Yeah. <laughs> right? Like, 100%. I had never really thought about that. Like, my assumption was always, like, of course this person is as desperate to find me mm-hmm. as I am to find mm-hmm. them. Well, and I think in such a situation that is so emotionally, like, tumultuous, that particular part of the story leads people to that fantasy of thinking that that's what they should have and that's what's supposed to happen and things like that. So it's like, 
I, I have no doubt that people have that kind of situation. Like, with you thinking about that for the first time when someone else experienced it, it's like, that is totally possible. But it's like, you are living this certain way for your entire life, knowing a certain way, and when you're ready to make that change and ready to, like, tackle that next part, that's when you have the most hope. And your hope kind of, like, I think blinds you to thinking of anything else. Well, I had a very immature, childlike, I think, vision to, I think of like what would. of what my relationship would be. Sure. I mean, I really thought that meeting my birth mother was going to fix everything. Mm-hmm. But right? like, looking back, you were still so young. Yeah, I mean, and I mean, I think that I thought that was another thing to navigate is that like, it, so what is she supposed to try to parent me now? Yeah. Mm. But that that was pretty, like, no. Uh-uh. That's an out the door no, I already, probably pretty good. I already, I already got somebody that's covering that. <laughs> yeah. Probably too much. Um, and so, and the older that I get, the less that space between us, it, it seems to, like you know, get smaller and smaller. But 46 and 63 do not feel very far apart. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, when I was younger, I think the distance felt a little bit more, but the older I get, like... Of so it's hard to know, you know, I, I, I don't call her mom. I call her Julie. Yeah. My mom is my mom, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, she, she's, she's special and she's important. Yeah. But I think that, I think that she and I will always struggle a little bit with how our relationship should be playing out. Mm-hmm. Um, and like, like, like you said, the resentment came later. Mm-hmm. Um, I kind of felt like she treated, um, my other siblings differently than me. Mm-hmm. I mean, when things happen in my family, like big things like death and stuff, she doesn't call me or well, mm. she's, she's, she's hearing impaired. She doesn't text me. <laughs> Like, I, I feel like I'm, like, way down on the list of people <laughs> to contact, and I don't think I should be that far down the list, you know? Yeah, which I feel like that's almost, like, a thing that people that are adopted are more sensitive to anyway. Yes, So it's, sure. like, it's almost kind of, like, it's half that, half the fact that she is treating you differently, but it is partially just the fact that we're overly, you know, sensitized right. to it. Not that that's a bad thing. I think it's just part of the deal, you know, well, is and, that we just kind of feel that way. I mean, I had I had a real resentment going for a long time about the kids thing, that she would spend time with my nieces, but not my oh, kids. Oh, sure. Like, I, really, I bet that was probably the biggest piece <laughs> that was really hard. And, and I mean, I was just like, never? Not one babysitting time? Yeah. Not once. Mm-hmm. You know, now my, my son is 22, you know? Like, Never spend a night with her, not even once. I mean, he could probably use some babysitting still at this point. He's right. a 23-year-old boy, let's be honest. <laughs> but, and so, I, yeah, I mean, so, she's trying to navigate too, though. That's the thing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we both are. So, I, man, it, it's hard to give concise advice, I guess. I mean, I... I but be, still, no, I mean, being I open to it, that's... Ha- having an awareness that this is going to be difficult and this is going to be challenging and this is almost assuredly not going to be what you expected it to be. Hmm. Right? Your your childlike yes. vision is, is not going to... Yeah. It's not going to play yeah. out in reality yeah. at mm-hmm. all. No, it's going to be challenging as, as I'll get up. I should have asked this when you mentioned it, but when you first saw her and connected and had that like first hug where she almost tackled you, did you feel that connection right away? Was no. it really? Really? No, I was, I'm not much of a hugger. I was, yeah. ra- I was raised by two Germans. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, if you can tell my last name Sheer, that's pretty German. I feel ya. 
Yeah. I mean, so my, my dad was a little bit more physically affectionate, but, but they are not, yeah. they're not huggers and kissers oh at all. And so I, <laughs> like, being hugged by this stranger was uncomfortable. I, I just, I felt like I was in some sort of bizarre dream. Yeah. It didn't That's feel, it didn't too. feel real A dream, but mine, I felt that connection immediately. As soon as we hugged, we both just lost it and it was... Oh, she it, it felt she was crying, and I was standing there awkwardly. Yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> like I wasn't crying. Yeah. I don't. I didn't feel it right away. Wow, interesting. Yeah, I. Oh but gosh. but you know what? It's crazy. I had the exact same feeling when my son was born. Really, exact same thing. Like just this surreal kind of disconnected Whoa. yes <laughs> look what i got <laughs> like i would see other like hear like when my best friend's son was born you know uh, she's sobbing mm-hmm. i was i was just looking at him like observing what? nice Is to it? meet you <laughs> and it, i i felt i did not feel that immediate connection it came pretty quickly yeah you know like within sure. a within a day or two i was obsessed yeah. but in those first few moments i just Gosh. felt very surreal right it's like this yeah. this yeah. doesn't feel this is this a dream mm-hmm. Not, I would say that was the exact same feeling I had when I met Julie. That's like, just kind of how you process. I mean, that's yeah, that's yeah, fair. That must be how I do, <laughs> must be how I do it. Yeah. Probably gonna go ahead and circle back to attachment disorders I and trauma. But it was like that makes you oh, not be up. able to connect emotionally sometimes in these really yes. intense emotional situations, yeah. right? That I think I shut down a little wow. bit. And I need some time to process it. Sure. I mean, I feel, you know, I love Julie very much. I'm very connected to her now. But it took some time. You know, she was a virtual stranger to me. Yeah. You know. Wow. Other than this, like, oh, yeah, I was in your body once. But. Yeah. It turns out that is not enough (laughs) (laughs) to build build the relationship on. You got to, you got to try a little harder. (laughs) (laughs) Well, this has been. Oh my god! Amazing, gosh. like I don't even know. Speechless. <laughs> yeah, I don't even know what to say. Your this story is, is. It just flew by. It yeah. just flew by. We we so appreciate you coming in and talking about this because we're in very even. You know, everyone is always in such different situations, and we're mm-hmm. you know trying to get an angle from like every single little angle we can find. And and, and I mean, oh I, my gosh. I, I've got friends that you know, like I said, my friend that just texted me and I had another friend that found her birth father and ancestry. So, I mean, I have gone and my brother, like I've gone yeah. through this experience, um, watching other people yeah. go mm-hmm. through it too. And I am endlessly fascinated by it. Oh, same. I mean, I mean it's because there's I literally I so not excited. the same story, yeah. even if certain variables are the same. I think what's, again, just what's so cool is that we are finding and identifying and bringing out that community that, I think a lot of us missed having that yes. hasn't maybe been able to exist with the, you know, now with social media, that's a whole different vibe going on and people are able to come together, but it's like, it is still to me the most like under like acknowledged topic that is so common. So common. So common. And it, it, I mean, it was like, it was a, it was literally a business. 
mm-hmm. Catholic Charities was running a baby business. Mm-hmm. Well, and that's, I had, mean, that's been, you know, things coming out with a lot of places. So I'm sure, I'm sure if we dug into some statistics, they'd be pretty remarkable mm-hmm. um, just in Minnesota mm-hmm. of how many people were adopted between, you know, say 1970 and 1990. Yeah. I bet yeah. it's a pretty significant number. Wow. So. And we've never met, but we still have those connections of things that we all have, you know, it's, it's crazy. Yeah. Well, thank you <laughs> thank so you so much. much. This oh was amazing. This was, was really so great. fun. I am so glad you got to come share this. Um, it I'm went sure so, our listeners are going to be... It went, well, <sighs> it went pretty well, I thought. I think all my preparation came in handy, so. Yeah, for yeah. sure. Oh my gosh. All right. Well, um, thank you guys all for listening. Uh, be sure to send over questions to us. We're waiting on some more questions from y'all. Um, follow, like, subscribe, give us some ratings. You want to say anything else? No? Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Erica has nothing to say. And with That's that. That's <laughs> true. All right. Well, thank until you. next time. Later. Bye. Bye.